Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. My guest today is Indra Rinsler, who has been a seeker and devotee on the spiritual path for nearly 50 years, bringing forth his simple but potent sharing on a life well-lived. He's been a student of astrology since the early 1970s and a devotee of Paramahasa Yogananda for decades. He spent over 20 years living in a spiritual community, experiencing deep lessons in discipleship and Indian philosophy. And in 1999, his life changed again when he was introduced by one of his most influential teachers on the anagram and intuitively began seeing the intricate connections between the anagram of personality and astrology. In this episode, we dive deep into the yugas, the anagram, the holy science, autobiography of a yogi, Paramahasa Yogananda, and all kinds of aspects of gaining greater keys to life. I hope you enjoy it. Indra Rinsler, it is great to find you on this planet. It is great to meet you again in this lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's wonderful to have you on this podcast in the Dwapara Yoga Cycle. Yes, thank you so much, Diane. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. And we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to uncover. Uh, today, I am really excited to discuss a concept that I think is rather misunderstood and perhaps not even talked about as much as I think it should be discussed. And this is how we got connected because it's something that's uh, a subject that you are very familiar with and you've talked about, which is something called the yugas. Now, the yogis that are listening on this podcast might be familiarized with that. But even if you're a yogi, you probably haven't spent much time going into the depth and the complexity that uh, has been theorized by the amazing Sri Teshwar Uh, back in 1894, if I have my date correct, and written in his wonderful manifesto, The Holy Science, which we will go into. So the the Indian scriptures talk about the the yugas, these great long cycles of ages. And uh, I would love to get into that with you, and I know we will. But before we jump into that, I would just love for our audience to get a sense of your spiritual path, which you've been on for at least, I'd say, 50 years, if I'm correct. And throughout all your extensive travels and experiences, my first question to you is, who was, if it's at all possible to answer this, um, who was the greatest teacher the greatest, I should specify, the greatest living teacher that you met. And what did you receive from that time together or uh, whether it be a singular account or an extended stay? Well, the greatest, it's, uh, it means I have to measure them all. So that's a little difficult. Uh, 
and a living teacher. The moment is such a great teacher and the, the leaves at the tree where Buddha found enlightenment is a teacher. So greatest living teacher. I suppose uh, I always say that the I, I met a man when I when I uh, first was introduced to the Enneagram of Personality. Okay. The, uh, in uh, 1999, that particular weekend, that it was my first introduction, I had absolutely no idea. Someone had suggested I go, and um, immediately I felt there was a connection between Enneagram and astrology. Astrology I had been involved in since the early 70s when I picked up my first uh, uh, spiritual books. And uh, I was lucky enough, so I knew that they they it just sounded familiar. You know, I like to say that the difference between Enneagram and astrology is nine and 12. One's based on nine, one's based on 12. So I say, are they the same or different? I say they're the, the same. They're both frequencies. They're just slightly different frequencies. And right. so I, I could immediately see that there was a connection between them. Within, and within three months, I was directed by, I met a man that weekend who was, the, who was only one of three people that knew where this guy lived where he was and what he did. And he introduced me to this man named Curtis who became my Enneagram teacher and astrology teacher. And I like to say he was the most esoteric person I've met in this in a lifetime of esoteric people. And uh, he taught me how Enneagram and astrology work together. He got uh, Vedic astrology at 15. He had a neighbor that was a Vedic astrologer. He's um, my age, about 10 years younger, but my age. So that was a long time ago. He was em empathic. He was uh, audio, whatever that is, audio centric. He could hear everything. Uh, he was a hermit. Yeah. Claire audience from birth. And uh, he, he was a hermit. And uh, so uh, I went, I, I called him up and uh, within 15 minutes, he, he said, uh, you know, I decided I wanted to come teach, uh, uh, learn from him. And so I set up to have two weeks with him on Kauai. Oh, I love um, in 1999, and they were incredible. Wow. And, um, well, I mean, we could go into the an anagram, and I have a question, and maybe our li listening audience has a question around this, is just kind of ruminating as, as it's, they're listening, um, because there's a bunch of anagrams out there. Which one is the one that you use? And as far as I can see, it has to do, as you say, with the number nine. There are nine different personality types. Is that correct? Right. That's the Enneagram of personality. I, I, I don't know what other Enneagrams you're talking about, but but a Gurdjieff, who uh, seems to be not, the young people don't seem to know about him anymore. He seems to have disappeared. He was certainly part of my uh, in the early 70s, he was he was one of the big scenes. He was one of the big teachers, even though, of course, he had passed. But he's the one that introduced us to the Enneagram. And he put uh, planets at the nine points. Enneagram is a Greek term that means nine sided figure. And so you can put anything at the points. He put musical notes. He put any uh, planets. He put um, foods. But he never put personalities or anything to do with psychological, though there is a, 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 a sentence towards the end of Ospensky's book, uh, In Search of the Miraculous, where he says, you know, kind of if we had a little bit of time, you know, we're thinking that there might be something in that direction. And it was up to one of his students 
who uh, came up with uh, with this idea of uh, a psychologist, a, a spiritual psychologist who put uh, the personalities at the core at, at the points. Mm -hmm. And I say that it's a it's an incredible psychological tool and uh, it's um, um, you can have better relationships, but psychology doesn't really have an end game uh, other than observing behavior. And it's an it's even more incredible spiritual tool because it helps you to get back to the moment by understanding your core triggers. And uh, there's no bias. All the teachers have a bias based on where they come from. Mm -hmm. And the Enneagram has no bias. And I believe it is not uh, is not just an archetypal system. It is the archetypal system. It is the un, uh, unfolding of the Judeo-Christian tradition uh, conditioned BS that in order to understand two 2,000 plus years of conditioning, almost 5,000 years of conditioning, starting with Mesopotamia, um, the Enneagram does that, and nothing else really does that in the same way. What do you think is the main sort of program that's been running in humanity for the past two to 5,000 years? Well, um, I, again, I want to say that I do any, this teacher taught me Enneagram and astrology together, and so I would say the biggest is Venus. The Venus is the greed. It's the, it's the, it's the, uh, it's a lack of integrity. It's the desire for integrity. I don't think as Venus is beauty and love and beauty. That's on a very mundane level. And um, that this, this kind of love and beauty has comparisons in it. And those comparisons are the low side of Venus. That the high side is, to, is integrity for us to, to be encouraged to live at our, our highest truth and not to judge other people, whether they're at our highest truths or not. Mm -hmm. And when people are not at our highest truths, then we start judging and comparing them. And that's the low side. And then that's also greed. I think that that, that is our, that is the, uh, Venus is an interesting planet because it, um, when it was formed, and nobody knows this, the, the astrologers don't know this, maybe the astronomers know this, that, uh, that when it was near its formed, it was hit by a, a meteor and it moves backwards. It moves very slowly. And wow. uh, its, its day is longer than its year. The year being circling the sun is 225 days and its day circling itself is 242 day, Earth days. And it moves backwards. The sun rises in the west and sets in the east, and it has an incredible cloud cover. It's the hottest planet. It's hotter than Mercury because Mercury has no cloud cover. And Venus and the density on Venus is 93 times the density on Earth. And so it is in, it's our sister planet that is incredibly uh, inhospitable. And energetically from there, I believe we get greed, we get our conditioning, we get our comparisons and our judgments. And th this is really the stickiest part of our personalities, I feel. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, because that really does take Venus from a very superficial sort of astronomical, astrological idea of just like you said, what people- the goddess. Familiar, yeah, for sure. And what they're familiarized with. Um, that's really interesting. It kind of makes me kind of go to a segue of Sri Yukteswar from, you know, his book, The Holy Science. Um, and he says that the sun is rotating around 
the star and the duo is circling around the center of the Milky Way. And then, and that kind of like, hold on a minute, like, what does that mean, right? And then the question that came forward for me in sort of researching this before I talked to you is that, well, are there any astronomers that have been checking this out? Because that's not, and then I found out that there's researchers in California that have been researching binary star predictions since 2001 based on, directly based on Sri Yukteswar's teachings from the holy science that completely blows away any of this other stuff that's out there in astronomy. So they're agreeing with Yukteswar? The, apparently there are researchers out there in California. I'm not sure where I'm not sure. So is this Walter Crittenden? You know what? I know. I don't know. Okay. So, so when you're going to get heavy, heavy into the science, I, I can't, I can't, I can't honestly go there. I mean, yeah. I can BS my way there, but I can't honestly go there. But what I would say is this, is that I posted recently on Facebook about the duel of the sun because I got such a positive response when I talked about the Yugas. And I had a, a, a biophysicist or something like that, uh, a friend, uh, somebody said, hey, so she came in and she said that she had gone out to Hidden Valley, which is one of SRF's uh, places. That's uh, yeah. the organization. And uh, she said she didn't find it to be uh, uh, it didn't hold up with what she knew. And so then I took what she said and I put it in the group, the, the Uyghur group. And there were a couple of people that tore a little bit into what she said, but nobody really of weight could really get into it. And so, um, you know, it's so when you when you're new on the spiritual path. You know, you start talking about I need to come into my power and I need to be me and I need to get mine. And and that can go for a long time. But eventually you realize as you get into uh, you don't look like you're this old. But as you get into 60s and 70s, you start realizing that the truth is, is that you don't really know very much mm. and and that you 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 it's not your power and it's not my wisdom. And uh, it's just something, and, and I'm not a healer. It just comes through me. It has nothing to do with me. And if it's about me, then I'm in ego and I'm in story. I'm not awakened. Yeah. And, and so the fact is, is that it may not be something that scientists can prove. Yeah. It may be that they don't want to prove it. It may be not something that they can prove for a number of years, but the fact is, is that what I like to say about Uteshwar, it isn't about the fact that I've read the book 50 years ago. It's about that if you take what he says, and there's a, a wonderful book called the, called the Yugas. It's a really easy read. It's a long book. Do you, you know about that? Yeah. Yeah. Who wrote that? I, 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 uh, I uh, uh, yeah, Selby and, uh, and Steinmetz. Yeah, I think it's Joseph Selby. Anyways, yeah. it's a really readable book. And when you go in there and you and you see it, the fact is, is that something is changing here that that you have to be pretty blind to go 
to to think about uh, you know in 1894, like you say, Yuteshwar said that the 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 age is changing, that we're going into a Dwapara Yuga, that it's the energy age, and within uh, between 1900 and 1910, we found uh, quantum physics, uh, Pavlov and conditioning with the dog. He'd already won a Nobel Prize. I believe it was for uh, for his work two years before that the the airplane and uh, and quantum theory that's all within the first ten years of the nineteen of the nineteen hundreds and so something is going on here universal health care uh, Henry the Eighth did not talk to any of his wives and say hey let's have a free uh, clinic day down in the village for the villagers here on Tuesdays and Thursdays this is a different age the the and and I love to talk about good vibrations the 1966 song of the beach boys that is not a middle age middle ages song from the middle ages either that that the good vibrations that that his mother could tell him that he could feel things. He was nervous at the dog barking, and he sh she said uh, uh, that the dog could feel energy, and he turned that into the incredible song, Good Vibrations, mm. Exaltations. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's a new age. Now, now you could say, well, what about the fact that nobody in India agrees with him? Oh, okay. <laughs> Par for the course, right? There you go. Par for the course. Absolutely. He's the only one that says that we're in Dwapara Yuga. And I never had a problem with that because when I examine it, the fact is, is that when you understand that the that this is I call this the dinosaur. This is the dance of the dinosaur dying yeah. that when the dinosaur, you know, you know, he's going to take down some trees is that, you know, 2000 foot long dinosaur does his de death dance. And that's what we're in now. And so it, what that does to me is that I don't have to be so personal about any of it. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't about me. It isn't, it's, 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 it's for us. It's not for me. It's for all of us. It's not right. about me. Well, I love what you say in one of your writings where you say, you know, it really is a time for us to do our part. And our part is to release anything that is no longer for our highest good. And so that's about as far as it goes where it's about me. It's just let go of whatever is no longer for your highest good. Like get with the program, which is you awakening to your spiritual nature. And that's it. And everything else will just kind of, you know, the water will flow at its rightful course, at its rightful speed, at its rightful direction. And it will take with it everything that is necessary. Well, that's what I've experienced a lot in India, and that's not a philosophy or a point of view that people come to in the first week of their spiritual journey. This, this takes a long while, and the fact is, is that you need to come into your identity. That the that the adolescent, that the the the, the human baby has an adolescent period where they where they start to. Uh, 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 criticize and judge parents, and that's a part of individualization, and that's an that's an important role. And so, in your spiritual journey, it's really important for you to come into your to come into the sense of strength, and then to realize that you can then that it's not really about you that you can let go of that. But that takes a while. Yeah. Well, let's just sort of 
break down for a second, just for understanding purposes and educational purposes too, um, the four yugas, the four cycles, and we don't have to go into too much, but just so people know there's Satya Yuga, there's Treta Yuga, there's Dwapara Yoga, Dwapara Yoga, and the Kali Yuga. And from, again, everything you're talking about, we're in the cycle of the ages called the Dwapara, Dwapati Yugic cycle. There's an ascending part of that cycle and a descending part of that cycle. Where are we? Well, first of all, how long is each Yuga? So we get to get the numbers right. So the so Yuteshwar, I mean, uh, in that article I, I may have sent you, I said that if you Google, if I Google Kali Yuga, and on the first page of Google, I had three different year lengths from a couple thousand years to four million years. Yeah. So there isn't really an agreement. But again, right. we go back to what Yuteshwar gave us. He said that Satyuga Sat was 4,000 years. There's a 400-year um, transition period at the beginning and a 400-year period at the end. That's 4,800 years. And that um, it's uh, that we live 400 years. And that this is when, when we can feel everything, that there is total um, uh, empathicness to God the Spirit, that we can know God the Spirit. And then in Treta Yuga is the next one down in, uh, uh, Sat Yuga is, is, is the highest, the second highest is the, is the third one up is Treta Yuga, and that's 3,000 years, 300 years uh, transition at the beginning and the end, 3,600 years, and uh, we live 300 years, and this is a place of of uh, very advanced intuition. The Dwapara Yuga is 2,000 years, 200 years at the beginning, 200 years at the end. Theoretically, we're supposed to live to 200 years. And um, it's it's the it's energy age. That's it's the it's the mind uh, mind body connection that uh, all of a sudden has appeared again from mm -hmm. descending Dwapara Yuga mm -hmm. um, has all of a sudden appeared in our vocabulary, and and that's the nature of it. And Kali Yuga is the lowest age. That's a thousand years, a hundred years at the beginning, a hundred years at the end. And it's the densest. And I like to say that the point of it, so what's the point of the densest? The point of the uh, the densest age is for us to, for things to be so dense for in order for us to really see uh, what's really happening. And so the density of the physical plane is part of the motivation for us to say, I don't want to be, I don't want to live so dense anymore. Yeah. Where are we in the cycle of the twelve? So if so, if, if uh, twelve o'clock is the the twelve to six on the clock is the descending. Okay. Twelve thousand years. If you add up all the years, it's twelve thousand years descending and twelve thousand years of ascending. We're about seven o'clock. We're about seven o'clock. On a clock of which we are we we started uh, Dwapara Yuga in nineteen hundred. Okay. Uh, so we're going to go to 3,900 and then okay. uh, the 200 transition to 4,100 and then about 12,000 AD, we, we approximately, then we, we, we switch from um, uh, 8,000 year, 8, years, well, plus the transition, 8,800 years of, of uh, um, 
ascending uh, Satyuga and then descending Satyuga. So, okay. My head just exploded a little bit. And this is where I always just read about this. And I go, ah, I'll talk about this later. I'll figure this out later. I'll ask somebody else later. I'll read about it somewhere else later. So we are at seven o'clock in the Dwapara Yugic cycle, according to Sri Yukteswar. We have 3,600 3, more years left of this. Is that right? Uh, no. Uh, well, 1,900 plus 200. Okay. 1,900. Why the 1900 plus? Okay, because well, you're 2000 trans- minus 100, 120 years plus the transition. Been- got it. Okay. So essentially, we've got 2000 more years of this energy, which is the age of energy and awakening and all that good stuff. So awakening to the, to the concept that everything is energy. Okay. That's a great thing. So is there, as we are in this, phase obviously there's still elements of the kali yugic cycle which is the densest period or the descending cycle of you know duality of materiality of ignorance of forgetfulness i mean is the is it that we'll always have that on this planet because we just have a law of opposites and conditions and physical world realities or is it that we're going to ascend so much through this particular cycle that we can really dismantle like never before perhaps through the idea of our own ascension and evolution as a species or whoever we evolve to that these elements of the sort of very dense creation and materiality won't exist anymore like they'll just be um you know non-existent well, I like to think in terms of percentages. The fact is, is that we are realized. We are partly realized. It's just that it's not a very high percentage. And so what we've been told is, is that there are people in all of the yugas who are at that are at all levels. In other words, at the highest age, there's still people who are in Kali Yuga mentality. And, and so in Kali Yuga, who was an example of Dwapara Yuga higher. Well, St. Francis was a pretty high soul. Yeah. That's a pretty high. He was not in Kali Yuga. He okay. was, he, he, he almost single-handedly brought on the Renaissance with his energy. And that took two to 300 years to develop. And so he was at a higher age. He was the first uh, person to get the stigmata. And so he was at, I can't say what, what level he was at, but he was definitely not in Kali Yuga. And so in each age, and there were and there were Indian teachers and there were uh, Arab teachers who were very advanced, uh, uh, Kepler, uh, 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 Galileo, uh, you know, um, oh. Uh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of my, my favorite Buddhist in the 11, 1100s. Um, Gosh, ah. Uh. With the with the the killed the people. I can't think of his name right at the moment. Uh, well, but I mean, anyways, yeah. the fact is is that there were teachers who were at very high levels, and so at each period, I think it's a percentage. I think that what you find is is that while while right now there's still a lot of Kali Yuga here in the last, you know, in the last in these COVID years, there seems to be a percentage 
of people who are a little bit more awake to energy than they are to Kali Yuga that is having a, a, a change. And so I think what it happens is, is that there's a, you know, you have a, you have a mass energy, but there are people who are not hip to that mass energy. They're not part of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to happen at any, at any level. But I think that the, but the, the mass focus will be on in these particular periods that's what the period is Hmm. well dwapara yoga is the awakening age like by definition and when you write about it you you share that it's related to living at 50 percent of our potential and i'm curious like why 50 percent? why not more why are we limited to 50 percent of our potential uh, you know, I was given that. I I think that you when you say it's an it's an age of awakening, it's an awakening to something. You know, in in India, what I was told is that what everybody calls awakening is actually pre awakening, and even uh, Ramana uh, Maha, uh, Maharishi uh, Ramana it was, uh, after his awakening at sixteen in his near death experience, he lived in a cave for nineteen years and meditated. Yeah, and so the fact is is that is that um, the the awakening experience is a pre-awakening because it is not, people are not 100% settled in that awakening that they experience. They touch into it and then they say, I'm awake. And what I had a teacher tell uh, say is that they said that they mostly, that a lot of them come back and they teach and they teach from ego. And I like to say that that what we teach is what we need to learn. It's probably true for podcasters too. What the what the what the what you're sharing is somehow what you need to learn. Hundred percent, yeah. And and so the the teachers who are are awakened, what they say are awakened. I'm talking about the young people, not the not the Indians fifty years teaching, but the but the young people who are having these experiences, they're they're that teaching is then taking them through what they need to learn. But the but the, the awakening is a is a to me is a stage where you don't leave it. Mm-hmm. And this is this when it's you know some days yes, some days no, that's not really awakening. That's what I that's what I would call that's what had been called pre-awakening. Mm. Oh that's a I love that point. Um, and so the 50 percent is, is that because it isn't the highest age, we, this isn't the whole story. We may egotistically and arrogantly, ah, now we have the whole story. But no, yeah. we, 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 we only have uh, a small part of it that the, 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 the uh, yeah, you know, we, yeah. We, we can't handle the whole story actually right well, our yeah. nervous system couldn't handle it all yeah. you need to be prepared for that i th- i think you're a hundred percent right about that i just think of certain experiences that i've personally had and you know people will say oh my god that's so amazing you had that experience i'll say it is amazing and it happened that way beyond my understanding but it it was very uncomfortable because it was like a total um just it was such a, a hit on my nervous system, this spiritual encounter, that it sounds lovely, but what the physical body goes through when it has this sort of download, you feel like you're going to literally break apart into a trillion pieces that will never come back together 
uh, in a cohesive way. And maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> you know? Well, in fact, it doesn't, you don't come back together in the same way. Yeah. Oh, that explains everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hallelujah. All right. Um, <laughs> moving right along. Um, so, yeah, you know, talking about the yugas, I, I think of um, the, the avatars that are all, like we can't talk about the yugas without talking about or mentioning the avatars that incarnate at the most needed times for humanity during these cycles, right? So like the Ramas, the Krishnas, the Buddhas. And my question is, well, who are the avatars in your opinion that are here during this Prabhupada cycle? Well, uh... Do you know of any? You know, I I don't I, I I don't have an opinion because it's not my it's a it's above my pay grade. But what they tell us is is that uh, Babaji got the east and and Jesus got the west. Right. I, I and they've been running the show for for thousands of years. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't think that's going to change for a while. So right, and so I hear that. Are they? My what I don't know is how much longer are they going to be doing that? Is that through the rest of the Dwapari cycle? Well, do we care? I'm they're just... going to be. Yeah, I don't care. You know, that's. Uh, yeah. You know, when. Uh, when I was in I was in Thailand when there was the the thing going on with North Korea, and I kind of had the attitude that if if we're going to blow up the planet, that's OK. I'm not going to lose my peace. <laughs> right. That 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 my peace is not worth uh, worrying about whether they're going to blow the the planet's going to get blown up or not. If it gets blown up, it gets blown up. So you know, this is above my pay grade. I think that uh, that the that these avatars they take a lot of responsibility they are not they do not take their duty light and if there's you know a, a bodhisattva uh, uh, you, uh yogananda said i'll be back you know i'll come back and take and row everybody across the 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 ocean of delusion and and the avatars take this responsibility serious and and i expect them to be to see it through whatever that means maybe somebody takes over the next yuga cycle i have no idea but um i never really thought to conceptualize it yeah i mean it's really an egoic question because who cares in the big picture I'll either be here in another form and I'll deal with it then because uh, I chose to be here or I raised my hand really high in the other dimension and said, I want to be in the front of the line and be here please now to learn um, or complete or whatever. Um, Well, I I would love for you to just comment on a few of these things since you've walked the path for so long and we're talking about Sri Teshwar as a sort of through line. And this is one of my favorite quotes from Sri Teshwar. And, uh, and just, again, those listening who don't know who Sri Teshwar is, he was Paramahasa Yogananda's guru. And, um, and you can learn more about him at the Self-Realization Center, or you can pick up his book, The Holy Science, or uh, just Google. You can learn a lot. in. I mean, the, the thing is, you, uh, uh, Yogananda wrote the book Autobiography of a Yogi. It's right. perhaps the most read, it has brought more people to the spiritual path than perhaps any other book 
maybe than the Bible. Probably the Bible has more. But uh, and then, of course, he tells you Teshwar's all the gurus. He tells all the gurus his lineage in the in the book. Yeah. And, and to your point, Paramahasa Yogananda, and thank you for mentioning that, because that's a, a really important point. Um, uh, autobiography of a yogi that Paramahasa Yogananda also wrote the incredible masterpiece, in my personal opinion, of the second coming of the Christ of who, where he talks about, you know, Jesus and and uh, really Jesus as this great avatar, depending on what you consider him to be, uh, but a great mm-hmm. yogic awakened uh, ascended master that uh, uh, he shows the parallelisms between um, Hinduism, Jesus's teachings and Christianity, which I love giving to my really like Bible belting friends because, you know, they just kind of go, whoa, I had no idea. And uh, that's pretty cool to kind of shake, shake some things <laughs> up. you're you're a little sassy you get in there and mix it up yeah i'm a little i'm a little i'm a little like you know i like to kick 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 the can okay um yeah i like to i'm I'm happy to leave the can there i like to i like to like you know put put a knife through those you know fat those feathers in their pillows and just kind of shake the feathers all around and be like okay yeah. yeah We need all those personalities, you know, but I will say only when they ask, you know, I learned something. And when I was studying spiritual psychology and I remember one of my teachers said, you know, never give advice unless you ask for it, if they, unless they ask for it, mm-hmm. because then you're like, uh, you know, you're hooked in and it's, it's not your place and it's not even going to be probably welcomed and you're not going to feel good for just giving your advice to someone who really never wanted in the first place. And it's not your place to sort of interrupt their natural divine process of, of growth. So just steer clear. But when people ask, then I say, Oh, well, have you heard of Paramahasa Yogananda? Oh yeah. You might like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you might like him. Beautiful. Anyway. Yeah. But um yeah. So, so um, Sri Teshwar says this beautiful quote at the end of his book, and he says, knowledge of evolution, life and dissolution thus leads to complete emancipation from the bonds of Maya, Maya being delusion, beholding the self in the supreme self, man gains eternal freedom. I, I would just like you to comment on that (laughs) uh yeah how do you comment on something that's so clear um it's a long process i mean it's simple words you know the thing is as i say sometimes in a reading uh with a client i'll say well it's easy and i don't mean that it's 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 simple i mean you know you put your foot here you put your foot there you put your foot here and that's all you need to do. But getting your foot in those right spots is not easy to do. And so, and so it's it's it, it requires an incredible amount of discernment, and it has an incredible amount of layers. And that and that any any arrival you achieve is only the 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 the, the line I heard years ago. Thus ended and thus began. 
mm. about Jesus's life. Thus ended and thus began. And so, and so every stage that we reach and we go, ah, I finally made it. And it's only, it's only at a level and you can go, oh, well, this is kind of a ripoff. I thought I would get to this level and it would be complete, but I don't know that if it's ever complete. Um, because Uteshwar himself, in autobiography, uh, he autobi uh, uh, Yogananda went back to India and met his guru, and then his guru died, and he was despondent that his guru had he got back to India, and his guru was despondent, and he stayed in India longer, hoping to to find uh, some solace to his an enlightened master and he was feeling uh, pain at least that's what he describes it's possible that they express these human uh feelings for us mm. that they don't actually feel them at least not in the way that we feel them mm. but anyways finally one day in his uh in his hotel room i believe in calcutta maybe uh maybe not but anyways um Soon, very soon before he's about to leave India, Yuteshwar appears to him. Right. And Yuteshwar says that I've taken over uh, working on Haranaloka, which is a planet for people who have finished, that they have had Mahasamadhi on earth, that they have consciously left their body, that there are enough of those that who have also finished with the the uh the next plane up the uh i forget what you want to call it but but the next plane up and then they're ready he's ready on the next plane to get them through that level and it seems like it's a it's a level after level after level after level and i don't say that in a sense of um in a sense of oh my god we're never going to get there i say it in a sense of the freedom of you just stay with the moment that that's what's the, what is the path forward the path forward is to just stay in the moment and just to walk your walk your walk uh walk in your own footsteps hmm, beautiful i knew if i just asked that that without asking a question i you would, knew you would come forward with something really beautiful <laughs> thank so, you thank you my sort of second question or or question to that statement of Sri Teshwar, knowledge of evolution, life and dissolution, thus leads to complete emancipation from the bonds of Maya delusion. From all your work, what do you find is the greatest dissolution, dissolution that we are running as a, a species? So uh, I think that's what we talked about before that I consider the planet Venus. It's our it's our closest uh, um, uh, neighbor planetarily. And it's very inhospitable. It looks so pretty because it's white and we've got this this idea of love and beauty and goddess. But the fact is, is that when it was young, Venus was hit by a meteor, they say, and it and it goes backwards. The sun rises in the west and sets in the east. It's got 93 times the density of Earth. It's 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 day is longer than its year. It's year circling the sun is 225 days. It's day. It circles itself in 242 days days it's the same size as the earth but it's day rotating 24 hours for us 242 days and so from the planet on the high side is integrity and from the low side when we're not integrity then we have greed we have comparisons we have judgments and and i believe that that is the the biggest issue for i think it may be this cycle 
because we don't, I don't really know. I can't project beyond there. But it is our closest planet. And because it's so inhospitable, the energies there are difficult. And and so the whole idea of greed, the whole idea of comparisons, envy, judgment that you have and I don't have, and this is good and this isn't good, the whole good and bad, right and wrong duality is all can all come from, from the sense of Venus. Hmm. Yeah, not duality as such, but the but the good and bad side of the of duality. Duality is just a reality. The duality is just a physical plane. Is is that uh, you know uh, I see you in, uh, in in two dimensions. You know, if you were here, I'd see you in three dimensions. It's just it's just simple. So duality is two dimensions, but it doesn't have to have any good and bad. Good and bad, right and wrong. These are these are Kali Yuga ideas and these these ideas are are dissipating not easily but they are dissipating that something is better than something else that we need to compare that that uh that uh you know that that um you know our life's work may not be about what we accomplish but it's about what we express mm-hmm. that's that's a whole other conversation right there because I do think that's, at least I'll speak for myself, that's kind of where I'm moving towards. It's just the freedom of expression, the freedom of um, speaking my, my truth, my, you know, uh, having, standing in my integrity. There's great freedom in just us standing in our integrity. That is a form of, a very high form of, of expression, of solic expression. And we've denied ourselves that in varying degrees individually and collectively for a very long time. Like you said, the conditioning can go back over 5,000 years, up to 5,000 years and maybe longer. So there's just a great healing that can take place if we just allow ourselves to express ourselves. I think of myself in my private practice. I mean, at the end of the day, the work I do my energy healing work. Um, it's really about clear, uh, allow, getting people, getting them tuned to a place energetically, electrically, all of it, so that their expression is free flowing. And that thus, um, those things that we haven't expressed or given ourselves the license to express or never expressed or have stifled or suppressed, it creates all kinds of problems in our, in our, field of of consciousness in our field of being in our field of creation and then we got to go in there and kind of do some cleanup duty yes and the other side of that is is that the that the expression gets confusing too because we think that we think i'm thinking that if i if i point you're gonna look oh where is he pointing to but (laughs) this is the point not where I'm going to. And so the, 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 the getting, being expressive isn't so much about what you express. It's about being in the moment, expressing it. And then whatever happens on the outside is the outside. You can't change anybody. We can barely change ourselves. So we can't, you can't control anything. I say, 
you know, try not peeing in the morning. See how much control there is. You For know, sure. they're just there just isn't much control. It isn't really about what you do. It is. There's a stage where what you do is important, but then there's a stage where it's more. I, I learned style points are more important. How you do it is more important than what you do. And 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 there is a cycle where you need to get your energy up to do things and at that point what you do is important but there then becomes a point where you mature into the fact that what you've done is it doesn't really matter you can't take it you can't take it with you you can't take it with you you can take the experiences with you perhaps but you can't take the the accomplishment doesn't come with you and the name recognition and the money and all the you know uh you know, I don't want to take all my shovels and rakes with me. I'd just as soon leave them here for the next people here. Mm-hmm. I'll leave them at my place. I don't need to take them into my next life. I'll get a, I trust that there'll be a shovel. Wherever I need a shovel, there'll be one. I don't have to bring it with me. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Well, just for the sake of inspiring those before we go, is there any last words of inspiration that you can give to those. And I'd say, especially to those that feel really stressed out and concerned by this sort of Kali yugic, lower density, vibratory conditions that are holding on as hard as they can, that are still at play. And I, I believe are dying and dissolving because as we are ascending into this age of awakening, the lower frequencies won't have the energy to sort of stick around. They won't be supported either by this sort of event horizon or by global awareness. I think they'll stop making sense. Mm -hmm. They'll stop making sense. Yeah. Yeah. They'll stop making sense that they won't, they won't have a, uh, they they won't have a, 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 uh, guidelines they won't have any they they just won't make sense you know like horse and buggy you know i might go to town let me let me uh saddle up my horse it doesn't make any sense right that's not relevant right now that's not not what's happening that's it i love that i love that so i i think the thing is is that uh, that uh that you have to do what's in front of you. You know, I, when I work with people with their astrology, everybody's got a different, uh, different story. I worked with a couple of interesting people uh, in the last week. One, one lady had only, she had four exalted planets. That's in its best signs and three debilitated planets and its worst signs and nothing in between. And that is a, that is a really interesting combination is that you have you have this side that everything is really easy and everything comes easy and then you get to your hard stuff and it's like it's like you're Jekyll and Hyde you're completely different mm. as a person and and so she's she's this particular client has that karma to work out and and so why is that it's because it's been given to her because of because possibly because of something in a previous life for some reason she has this this uh, a layout. I had another client that had nine planets and nine houses. I haven't seen that very often. It's we call that circumference everywhere, center nowhere. Mm. And it's a very it's a difficult. It has it has everything has high sides and low sides. You know, it has it's it's very positive because it has uh, because it's it's very broadly based, but there is no center there. And I couldn't get her to see that there was something missing, and and that's okay. 
I don't have I don't have to convince anybody of anything, you know, it's just there for the sharing. But the fact is, is that we all have our individual karma and we can't really uh, and, and, and configuration is what I'm trying to say more than karma. We have this configuration. And so what looks good for you uh, to live in L.A., I'm more interested in living in the forest than I am in living in L.A. And that's works for you. And that's fabulous. And so the fact is, is that we all have our different struggles. You know, some people uh, have trouble making money. Some people have tax problems because they make too much money. Uh, some people um, get sick because they can't they don't cook good food and then they eat outside and they they make terrible choices and other people are are so fit that they you know they don't go a day without running three miles and so the 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 broad expanse when you when you if you're to measure everybody is you have so many different possibilities and then you go different countries and different languages i had a finnish friend one time and i said um she said it's hebrew to me she said that two or three times it's hebrew to me i said what are you talking about? You know, it's Greek to me. Mm-hmm. They call it Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's got their own point of view. Yeah. And 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 everybody has their, you know, everybody has their Polish joke, but it may not be about Poland. Mm-hmm. So the point the point being is, is that is that is you got to you got to stop comparing and you just got to look at what's in front of you and that the, the themes, you know, when I, when I sit down with people and spend three hours going through their life reading, a lot of it is things they're all, they're already aware of, but they haven't put it together in a way to make a, 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 I take all the puzzle parts and I connect them. And so they can see it as a whole. But the fact is, is that these particular issues that I've never had confidence or that I, I, I'm judgmental or that I, I get angry quickly and that I, I feel insecure and that I, I've never had a good relationship. And all of these things are just symptomatic of a particular set of circumstances. And everybody's circumstances, while they have a lot of commonalities, you know, we have never met each other, but yet we have commonalities that we that we intuitively knew. Yeah. But it isn't because that we compared notes for the last five years. We don't need to because we're doing our work individually. And when we get together, then then all of a sudden we find out that, oh, we're speaking the same language and it isn't English. Uh-huh. And it's a, it's a heart. It's a heart language. And so the inspiration is, is this this day by day, moment by moment, month by month, week by week, just do what's in front of you. And, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with having worldly goals. The problem is being attached to them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. That if you want to accomplish something worldly, then go, then go for it. But if you're attached and you don't do it, then you feel pain. Yeah. And that is also your choice. Yeah. I think of that quote, I'm going to butcher it, but I think you'll know which one I'm talking about just because we've been talking about Shriek Teshwar and he's sort of in my consciousness right now, or he believe, I believe he says something to the effect of the future world will improve if you just get to your spiritual work now. Yes, I, I'm not sure I know that one. I remember he said, learn to behave. That's the one that we heard. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> learn to behave. <laughs> and uh, boy, that can apply 
so many, a myriad of infinitesimal ways for each person dependent on their karma and circumstance. You know, I'm thinking in the moment from, again, from autobiography of a yogi. So we're talking about Yogananda and he loved his guru, Yuteshwar, and, and he pined for him his whole life. And then when they finally meet, he walks past him. Mm-hmm. And then Yuteshwar has to freeze him in his path and get him to come back. He looked at him down the alley and he recognized him, but then he kept walking. <laughs> and then Yuteshwar had to freeze his feet and have him come back. And again, Yutesh, Yogananda was enlightened at birth. Uh, don't believe anything else. So, yeah. so uh, we do not have to, we just work moment to moment and whatever comes when you, you can't get your intuition going when you're in your head and when you're in your ego, but when you have a quiet moment and the intuition comes and it comes for everybody. And in that moment, then you get some clarity and then you, you go from clarity to clarity. You, you know what you want to do. I've, I'm working with people with this Navamsha chart in Vedic astrology. And, and so, and so the, 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 the sixties and seventies are doing their Navamsha chart. They're, they're how they want to be. The forties and fifties are well aware of it. And even the twenties and thirties are kind of hip to where they want to end up, yeah. even though they're, they're barely, you know, in a sense, they're barely on the path, even though they're old souls. Mm-hmm. and and have been doing this for many lifetimes but in this life they're not so young they're, they're not so old but they already have ha- have an idea they don't necessarily know how they're going to get there but they already have an idea of and they're ending up meets with this navamsha chart mm. aligns with it then you got people like my son who's 11 he's just like talking circles around me <laughs> so it's like, oh, mom, don't you remember? Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, you know, it may be that we have kids for to keep the species going, but it also could be that they become our teachers. It's to keep us, uh, to get us a little wiser. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then we keep the species going too. Well, I feel wiser just speaking with you. So thank you so much. Me too. Thank you so much for this. This was such a joy and so much fun. And I hope everybody feels as joyous as I do. And all the information about your work, your Enneagram, your astrology is in the show notes. And I'm just sending you so much love all the way up there in the woods. Uh, your beautiful area which I will say unnamed so people don't try to find you and knock on your door let you sleep hey guys thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast if you like what you're hearing here check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com